Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the simple online accounting solution built for small business owners just like you who want to skip the headache at tax time. For a limited time, try FreshBooks free for 60 days. To get started, visit GetFreshBooks.com now and enter This Week in Photo in the How Did You Hear About Us section. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by lynda.com. Learn what you want, when you want, with access to thousands of high-quality, easy-to-follow video tutorials, including many about photography. For seven days of free, unlimited, in-depth courses, visit lynda.com slash twip. This week on TWIP, GoPro plans its IPO, search by gender affinity on 500px Prime, the FCC backs pay-for-play fast lanes for web traffic, and an interview about Nick Analog Effects Pro with Google's Brian Matias. It's Monday, May 26, 2014, and this is TWIP. Welcome back to TWIP. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Joining me today to discuss some cool discuss some cool things in the world of photography are Mr. Yevgeny Chavarov and wait for it, Valerie. I'm gonna pronounce your name correctly this time. Vadity Jardon. Look at that. Yeah, very good. I hit, it. hit it hit it out of the park. Look at that. That's awesome. Thank it you. Just, it just took a week in France for me to, to get it right. Hey guys. <laughs> All right, welcome, guys. So, what's up? What's up, Valerie? What's going on in your world over there? Oh well, it's actually been uh, quiet for a few days, which is nice. I finished a workshop in Minneapolis, which is home here in the states. So, it was actually really nice not to have to deal with airplanes and hotels and just be able to sleep in my own bed while teaching a workshop. Uh, so now it's two weeks of uh, staying put until Paris in June. So. Paris, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm going back to France. You believe? <laughs> now yeah. you're allowed. You can say my, you can say my name right. I know, I know. <laughs> I, I have a few key phrases that I can use now. So. Good. <laughs> also, also the show is Mr. Yevgeny Chaparov from 500 Picks. They're pixelspx.com. Hey, Yevgeny, what's going on, man? And I'm also surprised that you can pronounce my name correctly. So. I've never messed up your name. For some reason, the the like Russian slash Ukrainian that kind of that kind of accent I can do. It's the French accent is like in here somewhere. It's like in the throat and then the rolling R's. I can't get it. I don't know. In any case, you're welcome both to Canada or Russia or any other country for that matter. <laughs> no, it's good. It's always good to have you on, man. So lots of stuff. You, I'm looking at the show notes here and ironically enough or fortunate enough, one of the stories in here is about your company. So it's good to have you on the show. Yeah, and I'm really happy that I, you know, I can advocate for for and I guess other people can advocate against uh, the uh, the new search that we rolled out recently. Okay, cool. Yeah, so we will we'll definitely talk about that. So besides innovating your cloud service and pushing the envelope forward, what's what's happening with you, man? Uh, again, we're just getting started, so there's a lot of uh, lots of things that are coming to the site really sh- shortly. So. Yeah. Cannot tell you, as always. Uh, <laughs> well, actually, that depends on when the show is going to air 
in its full format because maybe maybe there's there's something to talk about. Yeah. Well, well, you know, it's live now, so people are watching. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, that is coming really soon. Yeah, so I wouldn't say anything right now that you're not willing to tell the world. So, awesome. Well, cool. I'm lo- I'm looking forward to that segment to chat with you about what's happening over there. Yeah. All right, guys. Before we uh, get started, oh, you know, uh, I, first of all, I want to say thank you to the listeners for being so gracious to uh, Valerie and and Joseph Lenaski. You guys have been stepping up in my absence over much of 2014 as I've been <laughs> traveling. It seems like I've done fewer shows than ever, uh, but luckily you guys do an awesome job hosting the show when I'm running around the world, so thank you both for that, Valerie. Uh, you you know, all the feedback that I get has been nothing but positive comments about how well you guys do. So well, thank, thank you. Yeah, and I was, uh, where was I? So last week I was in, in your neck of the woods, Valerie, in Champagne. You can't, can't remember because you had too much of it, huh? Oh, my God. I was all <laughs> over the place. I was in Champagne. I was in, you got to pronounce this, this city name for me. <laughs> okay, Reims? Yeah, see? That's you wrong. Just, yeah, no, you say the R and the S. You forget what's in the middle. Reims. And then you oh. were in Troyes. I was in Troyes. I can say Troyes because it's like, you know, menage a. I can say Troyes. <laughs> <laughs> then but, I don't know where else you were. Yeah, but but Hans, Hans. Like, Hans, that's good. See. Uh, that's I get to that after like because I'm reading the word and saying the words don't make sense. It's just, no, it just it, it doesn't like a lot of other things, but. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I was running around there visiting lots of uh, champagne makers out there and just having my mind blown at all the artisanship that goes into making a bottle of champagne and the age and the history and the tasting and all that's just insane. So I'm going to be posting a bunch of pictures from that journey, hopefully uh, within the next day or so. Are they going to be all blurry? Uh, no, autofocus, <laughs> my friend. <laughs> they are exposed and focused properly, but the composition I cannot help with. <laughs> so. Um, and then, like Valerie, you alluded to, that Paris trip that you so graciously invited me on is coming up next month in June. So I'll be back I, back over the Atlantic again, which is, uh, yeah, I think that's the worst part of the trip is that flight. <laughs> you got you to, gotta, like, either, like, medicate with some sleeping pills or alcohol or something to, like, make time go fast because that 11, 12 hours is just brutal on that plane. But, yeah, and it, it's hard going that way for you because you get there right at the time you would go to bed normally and yes. so you have a whole day to walk around and stay awake. But. Yeah, so you're, like, in a daze for the first day yeah. or so and then it's time to come back. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's all good. All right, guys, before we jump into the show, I'd like to thank the first sponsor for this episode of This Week in Photo, and that's our good friends over at FreshBooks.com. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the simple online accounting solution that's built for small business owners just like you. For a limited time, you can try FreshBooks free for 60 days. To get started, just visit GetFreshBooks.com and enter This Week in Photo in the How Did You Hear About Us section. And it's tax time. If you're not using FreshBooks, your life is probably a mess right now. You're hunting for receipts, you're digging through invoices, going through every record one by one. It's the worst. FreshBooks is a simple cloud accounting solution that makes tax time a breeze. And with FreshBooks, you can create professional-looking invoices, capture and track expenses, and get real-time business reports 
with just a few simple clicks. Plus, you can work anywhere with FreshBooks using their mobile apps for your phone and tablet. And I use FreshBooks personally to manage the This Week in Photo universe by because you know it's kind of a one-man band here managing all the expenses and the invoicing and the clients and all advertisers, all that stuff. So FreshBooks is the back end to everything on This Week in Photo. It automatically invoices advertisers, it invoices everything, keeps everything in track, and when I need to run reports for tax time, it's a few simple clicks, and boom, I'm done. I don't have time, I wanna be a photographer, I wanna be out shooting, so FreshBooks makes it easy for me to just get everything done. And it's, uh, it's, it's just a great service, it's a godsend for getting things done as a very thin operation in terms of headcount. For me, if I if I had known about FreshBooks when I first started this week in photo, a ton of headaches would have just gone away. I mean, we receive invoices from people using FreshBooks, so they, you know, when when we send things out, they look professional. We get paid online, so there's no hassle of mailing checks or anything crazy like that. So FreshBooks is awesome. And like I said at the beginning, for a limited time, you can try FreshBooks for free for 60 days. Just get started at getfreshbooks.com and enter this week in photo in the how did you hear about us section. And right now, FreshBooks is giving our listeners and viewers an extended 60-day free trial just to make sure you can get through tax time in a breeze. They're trying to make everything easy for you. So head over to getfreshbooks.com, enter this week in photo in the how did you hear about us section when you sign up and enjoy and make sure you know, you tell them that this week in photo sent you. All right, guys, let's jump into story number one, and that is about GoPro. So I'm sure everyone's familiar with GoPro. These are the guys that make that popular, they make the popular action camera. And these are the, it's a genre of camera that's tiny and waterproof, splash proof, shock proof that you can mount pretty much to anything. So we've been seeing these cameras all over the place, everything from quadcopters to people putting them on their helmets or their, their heads while skiing to motorcycles to scuba diving, everywhere these cameras go. So they go basically go in places where normal cameras cannot go, which is why they're called action cameras. Well, the news is they have filed to go public and they're trying to raise $100 million under the stock code GPRO. So it's uh, now I'm going to read this here so, so I make sure I get this right. GoPro will be publicly traded on the NASDAQ stock code GPRO along with the IPO figure. The company disclosed its financials saying that it earned $60.6 million in profit off revenues close to $1 billion last year. It also said that nearly half of its sales came from outside of the U.S., last year, a percentage that's already beyond the halfway mark so far this year. So they're just, seems like they're firing on all cylinders over there. So I, the, 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 that's the news, obviously, that GoPro is going public. But for this forum, what I want to talk to you guys about, Evgeny, I'll start with you first, is just the, the, the action cam world. I mean, the, or the action camera, these, these sports cameras. Have you have first of all have you played with one and what do you think about the genre of photography that this is that these new cameras have opened up? Well, actually, I do have one. Uh, I would say I'm a big fan of GoPro. Uh, what I'm not a big fan is editing the video after I shot hours <laughs> and hours of that. Yeah. Uh, so I actually stopped doing that and started doing uh, more of the time lapses. 
instead because those are slightly easier to compose and slightly easier to edit. Uh, or just single shots from places that, you know, hard to find. So same time lapse, but just catching a couple of individual shots in between and uh, putting them online. So uh, there's definitely market for that. I, you know, noticed myself when I was traveling and doing some kite surfing, you know, you mount that and, you know, all your Facebook get, gets to see your, you know, your attempts at kite surfing. Um, <laughs> same with like, motorcycling, bicycling. I have... I probably spent more than hundred bucks on all the tripods and all the accessories. Yeah, uh, that seems like a bigger business than selling cameras themselves. Yeah. Uh, for a piece of plastic, you pay you know ten, twenty bucks, so it just you know escalates pretty quickly. Yeah, it's like the old it's the old marketing thing. You know, you you sell you sell the blades, not the razors, or you exactly. with yeah. printers, you sell the ink, not the printers, and with yeah. GoPro, you sell the mounts, not the camera itself. Yeah, because the camera itself is, you know, really solid, really high quality, and really cheap, or well, comparable to others, mm -hmm. but with the accessories, that's where you, that's where they get you, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, Valerie, what about you? So your, your genre of photography is street photography. I don't necessarily see you walking around with a GoPro strapped to the top of your head. That well, you know, be... actually, one of our participants will be having, um, and um, will have one rigged up on his mirrorless camera. So oh. uh, he's not going to be very invisible. Um, and he's listening to the show. So hi there. <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> I was kind of joking with him about that. It's like, oh, yeah, you're not going to be the invisible street photographer. But on the other hand, it's kind of fun because we're going to, see him shoot and approach street photography, you know, and because it's hooked on the top of his little camera right. with a little stand, whatever, but it looks a little, uh, it doesn't look inconspicuous, let's put it this way. Um, I don't, I don't use one, my son has one, I mean they're great, and I think they've, they've become, I mean, I, I know they're not the only ones on the market, but whenever somebody refers to those little cameras that you can strap to your helmet or whatever, people say GoPros, kind of like, you know, it's, it's like become almost like a Kleenex, you know. Right, so right. I think that that's, they've become a, a brand name that everybody knows, and uh, and they're awesome, and they're going public. That seems like the natural progression for a company that's becoming, you know, so big and for a tech company. So I think uh, that's the good move. They, they're going to have a lot more cash for um, research and development. And uh, so, yeah, are they going to have as much control? Are they going to be as, you know, um, are they going to be as, as nimble? Are they going to be it, able yeah. to ri to take as much risk and in innovation or not? You know, that's where they're going to have to maybe compromise a little bit. Or, um, or could I mean that that's glasses half empty? Maybe the glasses half full perspective is mm -hmm. they will have this massive influx of cash and will be able to do all kinds of other crazy stuff. So, but who knows? That's that's true. And um, but they'll have to answer to more people. So right. Who knows? Right. But I think for it's it seems like. If they want to stay ahead of the competition, they definitely need more money for research and development. Um, yeah. That's how I understand it, and I'm far from being a f financial expert. I have a, I can't even do my own accounting. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but your son has a GoPro, so you've oh, invested yeah. it seems in like the everybody company. Everybody I know, everybody I know has one, and they're like indestructible. I mean, they hey, go on the you know water. What? Wait, hold on. Just... I, I do not have one. I have this. Look at that. Oh, there you go. So you have the that, competition. This is also a. This is called the Sony Action Cam, and it's Sony's. Sony's competing with GoPro, obviously, on the Action Cam market. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, they essentially do the same thing, but with a different sort of 
uh, like Evgeny was saying, a different suite of mounts, right? I think GoPro has them on the mount area where you could pretty much put them on anything and any part of your body. Sony lets you put them pretty much everywhere too, but I don't know. There's there's certain places where I'd like to put it that that didn't sound right. But there's certain <laughs> <laughs> like to mount this camera. Oh, yeah, that, <laughs> it seems a little it seems a little bigger too and kind of more it's, it's not as compact. The difference is, so oh, this was in a housing. Let me pop it out. So it okay, is... So it's, it's narrow yeah, it's, and it's longer. A little, it's a little bigger. Yeah. You know what? I actually it's not really it. bigger, but I mean, look at this. So this is it right here. Yeah, that's pretty small, yeah. Yeah, I mean, my hands aren't gigantic. So, I mean, that's that's the camera right yeah, there. Yeah, that's the difference, the main differences are this one is kind of in this traditional barrel shape, whereas the GoPro is flat like a camera, yep. you know, a DSLR shape, which gives you opportunities to mount it in different areas. So there's pluses and minuses to both form factors. But, you know, I think one of the cool things I like about this one is it has got the Sony, um, uh, what do you call it, the Steadicam built into the camera, which I don't believe GoPro has yet. So, you know, it's... They both do essentially the same thing, and when you get down to that level of minutia, now you're just looking at specs, right? <laughs> but, yeah. but, you know, they're awesome cameras, all of them. And, I, yeah, I can't see how any newcomer on the market could really compete now if the big brands like Sony yeah. and, and GoPro being so big now, I mean, they pretty much have it covered. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's a ton, there's a ton, I posted a picture of me with wearing, like, a helmet with all these different kind of action cameras on it, I put it on Facebook, I mean, there's, like, a, like, what, 15 or 20 different models out there of varying quality, but at the top of the heap are the, you know, GoPro and Sony that are mm -hmm. battling out there, so... You know, it's a. I think it's a good time for all of us. You know, as the, as the image makers, we get to let the big behemoths fight it out, and GoPro will have, you know, kind of I guess Sony level money once they get yeah. this once this IPO gets off the ground. So then the fight will really heat up. So it's exciting. All right, guys, let's move on. Let's move on to story number two. Yevgeny, I know you're waiting on this one. So, uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna set the stage, and then we're just gonna talk about it. So, uh, 500px Prime rolled out the ability to search by gender affinity, so users searching for an image to appeal to a particular demographic now have even more powerful search capabilities to help them find the exact image to appeal to their target audience. So, let's talk about this. So, you guys, basically, you tweak, you basically, you tweaked your algorithm to allow me to what? So, I can say, I can do, like, the Craigslist thing on there and say, you know, the show me guys with guys or women with women or that kind of thing. Is that is that what it was? Uh, no, not, not quite. Uh, okay. So, we, the 500px Prime is the commercial licensing uh, product that we rolled out a couple of months ago. Yep. And, you know, we were sitting on on massive amounts of data from our community, uh, which amounts to hundreds of millions of signals each month. So we decided that, hey, we're, you know, we have all this data, how about we help uh, creative agencies, creative directors, art directors, make better decisions? Because yeah. when they get a brief, creative brief for, for an ad or any kind of campaign, uh, you know, they have target audience. They have a target market, and it's you know could be women, this age, this uh, uh, this country, and interested in this product, right? Uh, if you're going to other photo stock sites, uh, you would just search for 
something. You know, hopefully you'll get the perfect image that creative director thinks is the best for that campaign, or mm -hmm. a designer thinks, and then uh, the agency signs off and buys the image. So with this search, you can actually start targeting images that appeal to women and images that appeal to men. And that's the, oh. the first step of 500x Prime. Okay. So for example, if you're looking for uh, Iceland and you tweak the search by whether it appeals to men or women, you'll get different results. Okay, got it, got it. Okay, so if I'm, for example, looking for, say I'm an I'm a art director and I'm building an ad for houses, right, or interior decorating, and the target market that I'm trying to penetrate is are, you know, let's say women that are looking for a particular kind of home or a particular kind of decor, so I can target my search at just that kind of segment that, and then have it drill down and give me back those search results based on Absolutely. what that particular yeah. demographic has affinity for, right? Yeah, yeah. So you would still target, you know, if you're looking for interior design, you'll search something like, you know, design or interior or uh, home, and then you can uh, narrow it down by the uh, by the gender affinity, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the first step that we're launching. So the next going to be uh, age and uh, location and things like that. So in the end, you would be able just to get the, uh, you know, the full target audience or target demographic that you're looking for and target that specifically uh, with an ad that appeals to them. That's great. That's great. So then, so just to, to broaden it out a little bit, you know, I, when we first started talking, it was all about, you know, 500px is the Flickr killer and, you know, you guys are out innovating Flickr and doing all these cool things design-wise and innovation-wise that they weren't doing. Now Flickr kind of woke up a little bit and is kind of turning the ship uh, but you guys are still innovating. What I'm, I guess, the, the impetus of the question is: Are you, do you still, do you still see Flickr and that ilk of company as competitions for 500 px, or are you, or are you guys off in another data-centric, let's make things easier world altogether? Yeah. Uh, that's actually a really good question. So I, I think we're past that point, and I think we're actually defining our own path. Mm -hmm. uh, and this came as a natural thought to me just as we were talking because, you know, we don't think that Flickr is a competitor. We don't think that uh, specific photo stock companies are a competitor because, uh, you know, the range of things that we do and it's all, it's, it's, it's getting two things together, design and data and having beautiful design, beautiful community and a lot of data that comes with that. And blending it all together so that you can, you know, search uh, something that you were ne never able to search before, or get photos and expose yourself as a photographer in the ways that uh, are not possible on other platforms. So I think it's just kind of like a new path and our own path that we're taking. Yeah, and what and and previously in previous discussions, you guys had rolled out the the ability for photographers to have their own store and sell reprints and and you know basically yeah. derive revenue from the works that they're just putting they're putting up there not just allow people to look at them and and like them how's mm -hmm. that going is it is it going well so well i can tell you that that's, uh, this is an experiment for us and mm -hmm. i think there is some companies that do it better some companies that do it worse uh, we feel that this is a natural fit for a photographer and we noticed that most photographers would buy their own prints which is kind of natural for them uh, and maybe sign them and sell for more which we're totally mm -hmm. fine as well 
the majority, the art business is not as large as the commercial licensing. Uh, and what we feel is that we can actually add more value with 500px prime than with art prints. But mm -hmm. prints come as you know a, as a necessity for uh, you know for me to express myself or for other photographers to express themselves. Because as soon as you print something, it looks completely different. So I almost urge people to print something once in a while just to see how different it looks from the screen and on paper or canvas. Uh, and this is this is just fulfilling the basic need for photographers. Yeah, yeah. Do you do you see 500 Pix Prime as kind of the ultimate direction of the company? In other words, moving moving the course of the company away from strictly file sharing and community more towards the micro stock sort of licensing side of the business. Oh, I hate the word microstock. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what would you prefer? What do you, what do you call it? Uh, we call it actually something like non-stock photos. Non-stock? Uh, non yeah, you know, like if you're looking for stock photos, the picture that you have in mind is like people in a business suit staring at computer and smiling for no reason. And yes. it's a perfectly racially diverse group. But of course. Uh, yeah. So people are tired of that. Right, so creative directors are super tired of that, and uh, that's why there is a big market for even Instagram photos because they look real. Right, a lot of brands will use Instagram photos for their campaigns. The same goes for 500px photos. The photos that look non-stocky uh, are actually sell pretty well. Right, so yeah. this is something that you know, if you shot landscape, usually you would have hard time finding a market for that, and we with bigger collection of landscapes than probably other stock companies can offer them to markets that, you know, need that kind of photography, such as uh, travel agencies or, you know, travel companies and, uh, and things like that. Yeah. Well, okay, last question here. So diffuse this, and I think I know what the answer to this question is before I ask it, but I'm sure a lot of people want to know this. If I sign up for 500 picks, and put my images up there, do they automatically get inserted into the non-stock catalog for resale, or do I have to opt into that? You have to opt in to that. So everything that we do is opt-in. Uh, there is the caveat, though. Your photos will be searchable on 500px Prime, uh, so that if there is a client for that, we'll come to you and say, like, hey, do you want money or not? Uh, okay. <laughs> so, so which, is, which exposes more photographers to the 500px Prime, yeah. uh, and uh, you know we had really happy customers that were surprised that their that their vacation photos got sold. Um, but this is something that you have to actually you know confirm that you want to sell that, um, and you know sign an agreement with us with like clicking the I agree button uh, when you do that. So it, it's a separate. Uh, platform and for us, this is something that we want to merge together over over time. And community and commercial is both important to us. So we actually want to blend them together because yeah. that gives us the data and community gives us the power that comes with surfacing great photos. Yeah. Now, Valerie, looking at the kind of stuff that you do, so mostly lately street photography and, you know, that those sort of candid type things, based on what Yevgeny was just saying uh, about real photography, do you ever see yourself inputting your work into a, you know, in, to, to have it be sold like this? Well, 
It would have to be for editorial because I don't have model releases from any of my oh. subjects. So uh, you can sell them commercially. And I'm not, I mean, they would be editorial or fine art only. So I don't think that would apply. I, I shoot a lot of other things that, yeah, possibly, why not? And I think it's, a, it's a, I don't know if, how people feel about uh, being, um, having their pictures seen by by potential buyers. I think it's a great idea. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, I'm sure people are pleasantly surprised when they get the, the note, like, hey, somebody wants to buy this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now I suppose since it's commercial, it's considered, like, it's still considered like stock photography, right? Yeah. So yeah. they would need uh, proper releases of whoever is on the picture, right? Yeah. The, the great thing is that we have editorial license, uh, and we had some great success uh, licensing that to the okay. uh, to the news orgs, uh, and you're right that you need a proper release. Uh, what I'm advocating is that if you're shooting street photography, still go and ask for a model release. Chances are you might get it. <laughs> yeah, I would never sign one myself. I don't think on the street, so I don't ask for them. I think that would kill the moment. But um, but for editorial, you don't need one. Yep. I mean, nobody's going to ask your permission to publish your picture in the front of the newspaper. Yep. In the and the United States, and that's not the case in every country. But so for editorial purposes, street photographs are are okay without a model release, right? I mean, I'm sure with you guys as well. Um, I mean, I know I don't know if iStock ever went ever. I think they were going to go to editorial. I don't know if they do, but that was in the. I think we talked about that a few months ago. Um, then, if it's editorial, you wouldn't technically not need a model release from your subject. So. See, that's a, that that stuff starts getting into the weeds there of like when to use a model release, when you don't yeah. need one. Remember, remember that story. I don't know if you guys are, remember the story we did a while back about that photographer that was that did this whole art piece uh, of the build. He's in New York City of the people through the windows of yeah. the building across, and I think he was sued and won. Or, yeah. <laughs> like, and he sold his prints for thousands of dollars. Yeah, and that was a great publicity stunt at the same time. So. Yeah, amazing. And we helped promote here, didn't we? So, <laughs> <laughs> that is actually, it's probably great news for photographers that they can sell that as prints. They just cannot sell that as stock photos for advertisement. Exactly, and that's what I teach always on my workshop when I teach street photography. It's like, you know, most photographers will shoot for themselves or to blog or you know things like that or to illustrate an article or something that's always for editorial or finite purposes uh, but they're well aware that they cannot submit those images to stock uh, for commercial use unless they do have proper releases and I even tell them make sure those releases are on paper not on an iPhone app because I hear those are not as valid in a court of law uh, so and, and it's so great anyways you know the the, the laws are like for this guy in New York that it was photographing people inside their homes. So not only it was inside their homes without their permission and selling their selling it as art, he he won the case. And yeah. so and I think that was really pushing it. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I think yeah, I think I was yeah, that was definitely on the boundaries of mm-hmm. you know, maybe maybe squarely inside of the the lines of what's legal, but clearly outside of the lines of what's morally and ethically correct, yeah. you know, so who knows. Um, and it's all about respect, too. I would say I never photograph people in embarrassing or vulnerable situations on the street. I mean, if I feel like I should, if it was me, I, won't, I would not want it out there, 
then I won't, I won't post it. I won't even take the picture probably. So yeah. that's kind of where I stand on that. So. Well, I'm going to do exactly the opposite of that when I'm in Paris with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking for Great. embarrassing, compromising, you know, Parisian <laughs> moments for me to uh, sell and make people embarrassed. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'll visit no. you at the police station. Yeah, exactly. it actually might be really interesting because you might get really different shots of the same places, especially if you go together. Yeah. Oh so yeah. It might be a good idea for like contrast. Mm-hmm. There you go. There you go. Hey, good. and I'm I'm not averse to like starting situations too. You know, like start... <laughs> <laughs> you know, provoking the moment so then you can kick, you can catch the peak action. That's right. So. Cool. So, Evgeny, what's the? What, I know you can't talk about what's next for for the company, but you know, can you give us some hints, a little bit, point us in the direction of you know, a crumb, maybe a little hair? Come Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Uh, so, 500px is all about promoting photographers and uh, exposing their works to as many people as possible. So, the next logical step for us is actually to start showing trending photographers. And start showing you so that you can filter and see photographers that are trending in commercial or weddings or uh, travel or underground or like whatever different types we have. And so you can explore and find new new talent uh, to follow or, you know, to admire their work or copy their work if you are or buy their work. Uh, Whatever the purpose, uh, this is coming later this week. Copy as in be inspired by their work, right? Yes. 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 <laughs> Emulate. Emulate. And Emulate. probably get better at photography. Uh, this is something that we take really seriously in terms of, you know, learning and getting tutorials to people and all, all the learning materials because, uh, you know, everybody starts somewhere, right? Yeah. So yeah. only by trying new things and going out and shooting more and more and more, we can get better. So, uh, you know, we've all been there when we just got our camera for the first time. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. Good. You guys are always doing cool stuff. How are the new digs in San Francisco? You guys, you have new offices in San Francisco now, right? Yeah, and um, forgot to mention that we, uh, our office is two stories, be- uh, two floors below GoPro office. Oh, look wow. at that. Jeez, see? Great minds working together. So maybe there'll be some sort of partnership or something? I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Let's move on to story number three here. And this is about, um, you know, the whole net neutrality thing that, that uh, has been setting the web on fire on the lanes that is allowed to go. <laughs> so, so basically the FCC backed fast lanes for web traffic. So the principle, principle that all internet content should be treated equally as it flows through cables and pipes is pretty much gone now. So the egalitarian nature of the internet saying that all, all connections are created equal that idea is gone. The Federal Communications Commission, or the FCC, said that it will propose new rules that allow companies like Disney, Google, Netflix, etc. to pay internet service providers like Comcast and Verizon for special faster lanes to send video and other content to their subscribers. Now, you know, netizens are up in roar saying, you know, this should be a democracy on the internet. Everything should be equal. No big company should be able to write a check and get freer access to their data than other companies. And you know, folks are also saying that 
this is a check for abuse of this where you know they can now these these internet service providers can throttle and basically extort money out of people you know pay to play you want more bandwidth you know you want your site to come up faster you know you got to pay a little bit so uh, Evgeny, you you're on the cutting edge of this. You know, you guys are a cloud service. You're sitting on the edge of it. You're not delivering data like Netflix, but you're pumping down a lot of data uh, to the web. Does does a ruling like this affect you at all? Uh, we don't have the deep pockets of other bigger companies, so you know, for us, it's a definite negative, uh, net negative, I would say. Yeah. Uh, for me, as the citizen of the internet, you know, spending ten hours or maybe more, probably all my time on the internet, <laughs> yeah. uh, that is uh, pretty sad as well. Uh, the only positive that it probably doesn't apply to Canada yet, I hope. Right. Uh, but in, you know, in the states, uh, we all remember how internet got started, and like you know, again, for, I, I guess I'm a little bit nostalgic. Uh, so it's kind of like those old days. Uh, they felt really good, and now it's you know it, what's going to happen next with the if net neutrality is gone. Uh, it's pretty hard to imagine, but I would say you know we'll get really fast Netflix and really fast Google, mm -hmm. uh, and everything else will be uh, super slow. Yeah. Um, you know, if you cannot pay to play, uh, I guess you'll be out of the internet because people don't have time. Uh, don't have patience to wait for something to load, so obviously if something is faster, uh, you know, it could be even Google versus Bing or, uh, you know, Google versus Yahoo. If somebody doesn't have the money to pay the providers for that, uh, they'll get slower, and the slower they get, the less they will get used. So, they, you know, it just feeds the, feeds the bigger companies, feeds the... Uh, those bigger monopolies that are on the internet right now. Yeah, it, it, and Valerie, I want you to definitely chime in on this as well because it, it for me it kind of looks, you know, I'm, I like to draw analogies in my mind to help me understand things, and I look at this like in the old days, being nostalgic like you, Evgeny, it was the wild west of the internet. You know, everyone's equal. You come seeking your own fortune, fortune if you have a good idea. You can make money or you can get whatever information you want. It's all equal, you know. And now, I mean, if you look at the old dusty Wild West days, that was then. And then you fast forward to now after this ruling, and it's more like uh, Los Angeles, <laughs> you know, with beachfront property and, and you, know, uh, you know, Beverly Hills property for folks that can afford it and have access to all these amenities. But the folks that can't afford it, need to live a little bit further inland where it's hotter and windier and less safe and, you know, all that. So, Valerie, do you feel like that? Is that where the Internet is going now? It's becoming oh. a mirror of, of the terrestrial atom-based world? Yeah, it actually makes me really sad, and I hope it doesn't come to that. Um, I mean, to me, the Internet is like the a big free country. You know, yeah. it's like mm -hmm. it's free of censorship. It's available to all, and and to know that there would be such discrimination between who can pay a lot of money to have faster, that, that is so ridiculous, and it just makes me so angry. So better not come to that because I'm moving, <laughs> yeah. and I have two pass. No, actually, I only have one passport, but yeah. I can move. <laughs> yeah, but now, you know, you look on the other side of it, isn't I? You know, I spend a fair amount of time on YouTube and I spend a fair amount of time on Hulu and, and Netflix and all that and iTunes etc 
I would hate for that to be any slower than it is right now. Like right now, I'm I feel like I'm spoiled, and I feel like if I'm trying to watch a movie on iTunes and I've purchased this movie and I gotta wait more than like. 10 seconds for that movie to queue up and start playing, I feel I start getting a little angry, you know? And yeah, but so there is, there is no reason why it should get slower than it is now, but there is no reason why a newcomer who is going to maybe replace Netflix in a few years should yeah. not be able to make it to, to you know, to be able to um, to compete with them. Yeah, but and see, nobody's going to be able who's to. Gonna, how you can you do that though? I, with these new rules in place, well, you have thing. to have enough money to get to the like Evgeny was saying. But, but people you know, will bounce off of a site if if it takes too long to load. You don't have enough money to pay for the bandwidth, for, so your site loads fast. Therefore, your idea never gains well, exactly. traction. Exactly. <laughs> that's why. That's why this is so wrong. And 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 we should. I mean, we should protect net neutrality at all cost. I, you know, everybody should. Don't touch my internet. There. But it's and gone. You know, I think I think <laughs> it starts always uh, is a positive sign. Like you'll get better Netflix, you'll get better Hulu, right? Mm -hmm. uh, your entertainment's gonna be faster and richer and more HD, more HDer than mm -hmm. before. Mm -hmm. uh, but then it's gonna be, hey, you wanna load news? Guess what? If the uh, service provider doesn't like the news outlet that you want to reach, like CNN or Washington Post or wherever you're reading, it's going to get slower. Yeah. So you will revert to Fox News. Yeah. That's the thing. That's what's scary. Yeah. You know, you're in the United States. You're like, you know what? Wow. Fox News and CNN load blazingly fast, but it takes five minutes for Al Jazeera to load. I don't understand why. <laughs> what's going on there. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. It could be crazy. Yeah. So what do we do? I mean, what's, what's the solution? I mean, is there... I don't know. We all unplug for a day. Yeah, good luck with that. I yeah. Think <laughs> you talk, you have Guinea's like the, the self-admitted, uh, you know, uh, he's yeah, a inter internet an internet intervention over there. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, it's bread and butter uh, and everything that comes with that. So I don't know if, if that's a political move that the White House has to make. Uh, you know, I'm not super high highly versed in the U.S. politics. Yeah. Uh, but I feel that this is something that we should protect as citizens. Yeah. So here, here's, exactly. a, here's, a, here's a, a scenario, Yevgeny. What happens if... Um, so you guys are, you know, smaller, obviously, than Yahoo and Google. You know, and what if they decide, you know what, we're, we like this net neutrality thing. We're going we're gonna to put money behind it, and we're going to pay for, you know, traffic so that we can be faster we can compete with our dollars instead of innovation against 500 px and we're going to use that as a marketing ploy as well so we'll say you know come to nameyoursite.com and you know we're up to five times faster than 500 px come to us yeah. you know could that it could that conceivably happen yeah uh nameyoursite.com is actually our biggest competitor <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, in all seriousness, uh, this, this is exactly what might happen with Google. Arguably, they have more money than any other internet company. Yeah. Uh, probably only Apple can compete with them. But then again, look, if, if Google becomes a bigger monster that wants to stiff competition out of its ad business or its other businesses, they will have the power to do that. 
Right. right? Uh, and, uh, you know, eventually as the companies mature, they become less innovative. So yeah. uh, this will hold them longer than, uh, than the usual business cycle. Yeah, I'm just I'm just so torn on this because you know as we talk through this, and Valerie, one side of me is like, you know, this sucks. This is you know, this is the 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 corporatization of the internet. It's supposed to be by the people for the people, free for everyone across the globe. Yada yada yada. But then on the other hand, we're using Google Hangouts to do this <laughs> show right now, and we're depending on the bandwidth that that. You know, and their servers to do this particular show. So, and Comcast, of course, is my internet service provider. So, if Comcast, if Google dropped a bag of money on Comcast, so that when we do Hangouts, they work better, you know, is it what's the, it's a catch twenty two. I don't know. You know, what do you, what do you think, Valerie? Look, before you you might have used Skype, and now you use Hangouts because they are technologically better, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. If something comes along that is technologically better but just cannot compete because they don't have the cash, uh, that's when it becomes a problem. Right? Yeah, that's yeah. That, that's that's where I stand as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not going to promote innovation from other companies. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I well, we'll have to keep an eye on this and see where it lands because, you know, clearly uh, some big changes and and shifts are happening on the internet, both in the the terms of innovation, just general innovation in what companies are doing, and the overall or underlying infrastructure and what these companies are able to do. And like you, like you, Evgeny, like you, you keep saying, you know, that idea that is it's being worked on by some dudes in the garage in Palo Alto right now. Might never, might not see the the light of day because you know they can't afford to pay to play. So, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be scary. It's a it's a scary new day that we're heading heading into. We'll put links to all this stuff in the show notes so people can do research on their own and and kind of get versed in what it could mean and what what direction things are heading in right now. So. Scary, scary. All right, guys, let's let's jump into something a little bit more positive. This is the listener Q&A segment. This is where you guys get to answer a question that has been at the top of one of our listeners' minds. The question for this week is from Kate Reynolds. Kate comes in via our Google Plus community page. She says, I love to photograph birds and use a Canon 7D with a 100 to 400 zoom lens. I'm considering purchasing a 500 mil lens, but I'm worried about carrying all that weight around. Should I haul it around on a monopod? Is there a better way? And what about a ball head camera mount? Now, Valerie, you know, <laughs> you knew I was going to throw this one at you because you went from carrying around like a Thor hammer worth of gear to a feather, right? So. Well, actually, no, because I was still using a very small prime lens on my DSLR most of the time. Um, the biggest lens I ever owned was the 70 to 200, which was very big for me. Yeah, it's big I lens, yeah. So I think we're talking much larger. I mean, a 500, that's huge, right? That's, that's Yeah, that's one of those big, big and expensive. And, yeah. You know, shooting football, getting close up of, of the, the eyeball type lenses. Yeah. I don't know. what. Okay, so I don't... So she would carry it with a monopod, like on a stick, basically? Yeah. I don't know, but that doesn't look very comfortable. But uh, I would definitely use good. the monopod when she's on location, if she doesn't want to worry about having the, the tripod, I think, just to be able to set it and not having hang it on her shoulders or her neck or whatever would yeah. definitely be a plus. I mean, even her wrists uh, would just start hurting after just a short while. Um, I used to... 
the heaviest lens I carried for hours was the 24 to 70, which is a, 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 you know an L lens for the Canon. I actually had to go to therapy <laughs> for my wrist just from carrying that thing around. Um, and uh, so forget it. After that, when I was still shooting uh, for myself with a DSLR, I was putting either the 50 or the the 40 millimeter pancake lens. And now I shoot you know with just one camera with a lens that you can't even remove. So <laughs> with the 23, so I would not be a very good advice, but I would definitely. Um, yeah, definitely the monopod, once she's on location, to be able to get the weight off her body uh, yeah. of that heavy lens, for sure. That's Yeah, good. I mean, that's, that's it. And you're you're shooting with the with the Fuji X100S or the X-T? Yeah. No, the 100, X100S with the 23 millimeter. Okay. Which okay. is yeah, not which a is, removable lens. So. That's tiny. You can throw that in your pocket. Yeah, so this question, I mean, this last, the last part of this question, she says, should I haul it around on a monopod? Is there a better way? What about a ball head camera mount? So it's two, two separate questions there. Um, my, my quick answer to that is no, there's not really a better way. If you're going to be shooting, if you need that, that glass and you're shooting birds, which means you need the stability to shoot those birds, there's no, unless you can somehow circumvent the laws of time, space, and physics, there's no way you can get around carrying around all that weight. Now that said, I'm sure Evgeny is going to say, no, you can get this thing and it'll work great. <laughs> Uh, yeah, actually, so it looks like Kate is really into the birds photography, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, I've seen a couple of those bird photographers, they love big lenses, they love big tripods, mm -hmm. so I feel like that, you know, if she's ready to invest in a 500mm lens, that seems like, you know, great investment and seems like a serious investment in the bird photography especially. Uh, and most bird photographers would use the Wimberly head, the head that kind of like moves in all directions, so like yeah, left and yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, you can put it on a nice tripod, and I think that's uh, that is the way to go. It's just to get a proper tripod, get the uh, Wimberly head, and get the 500 mil lens. And especially with 7D with a crop factor, she would get seven, slightly over 750 mil, mm -hmm. uh, which mm -hmm. is. Uh, which is perfect for, I guess, any bird shots or any shots. Yeah. You know, you can shoot, you can shoot people from across, uh, from building to building in New York City. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they get a membership to the gym because you're gonna need to, uh, you know, get some uh, good uh, back muscles and oh, yeah. arm muscles. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I know that's what you need to photograph birds, and and uh, I. I'm kind of glad I don't have to do that because I sure don't miss the the weight of having, you know, the heavy gear with me. Yeah, I mean it's it's the tool for that particular job, yeah. right? So you you mm -hmm. got to have those tools if you're going to yeah. shoot ports. You got to have those tools. If you're shooting macro, you need a specific tool set. General walk around photography, you know, it, it's a little bit looser, right? But yeah. you can you can go smaller if you want to with 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 street type photography, but. You know, it's situational. Underwater, you know, it's all you're, it's all photography and capturing light, but you need different tools to do yeah. the proper job. So, but it's harder too because bird photographers will hike for, you know, miles sometimes to get to a location. Whereas, like a sports photographer, yes, will need the same gear, but you know, usually they can drive to the to the sports field or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So for yeah, I. You know, it's a tough job. Yeah, really <laughs> depends on where she's shooting. Uh, there is a New Mexico uh, wildlife heritage 
no wildlife refuge, mm-hmm. and you know you just drive, walk uh, like 20 steps, put a tripod on, and you're shooting all the birds, right? <laughs> so so th- if she's shooting s- things like that where you can actually drive to, yeah, it makes sense. Get a tripod, get a 500 mil lens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I've never shot birds before. Um, maybe maybe one day I'll try it. Sounds like a, a trip to borrowlenses.com maybe in my future <laughs> to play around with those. But I don't see me buying a 500 mil lens um, at any point in the future right now. All right, guys, before we continue with the picks of the week, I want to thank our second sponsor for this episode of This Week in Photo, and that's our good friends over at lynda.com. This episode is brought to you by lynda.com. That's L-Y-N-D-A. Com. You can learn what you want, when you want, with high-quality video tutorials at lynda.com. And Lynda gives you everything you need to improve your skills. Lynda offers a variety of instruction. You can learn software, creative business skills, photography techniques, web design, and more. They have over 2,000 courses and over 100,000 tutorials. They offer courses for all levels and they add new courses each and every day. Their courses are taught by industry experts and their instructors are accomplished professionals that are at the top of their fields and passionate about teaching. Linda's courses are high-quality video productions, and the videos are made in state-of-the-art studios. They use screenshots, narration, live action, smart boards, charts, graphics, and audio. No homemade YouTube videos here. Linda.com courses are convenient. You can take them anytime from your computer, your tablet, or your mobile device. Each Linda.com course is structured so that you can learn from start to finish or just jump in to find a quick answer. You can quickly search transcripts to easily find the information you're looking for. And for one low monthly price of $25, they give you unlimited access to the entire course library. You can start improving your skills with a free seven-day trial, including unlimited access, at lynda.com slash twip. And you can show your support for This Week in Photo at lynda.com slash twip. We thank lynda.com for their support. Linda.com, what do you want to learn today? All right, let's jump into the Picks of the Week segment. Remember, you guys get to pick anything to recommend to the TWIP listeners as long as it is somehow related to photography. Valerie Jardin, you go first. What is your Pick of the Week? Well, I have two. One that is free and is completely photography related. It's a magazine called Extraordinary Vision, and it's not new. It's actually a pretty amazing magazine uh, based out of New Zealand. The only reason why I know about it now, and I'm so glad I do, um, they just interviewed me for, it's going to be, actually it's coming out this week, so by the time this airs, um, I'll probably be featured in it. So several page interviews with lots of photos about street photography. And... um, it's, it's, it's free on iTunes, Extraordinary Vision, and it's, it's great. It has amazing reviews, and um, they have a big readership, so they, they're, they're doing really well. So go check them out. And my second pick is uh, my sit-stand desk. I'm standing. I knew you were going to do that. I knew I, it. I've been, I, I don't sit anymore. I don't even, my desk chair is way back there. Um, right. I, I think thanks to actually Peter Giordano, uh, we want to hang out together for the Arcanum recently, and he said, "Hey, I'm standing now. I don't have to sit anymore," because I've been having so much neck and back uh, pain from just sitting, because you never sit properly. Right. And um, 
And I bought this desk, and for anybody who spends a lot of time in front of the computer, it's called a very desk, and it actually sits on top of your computer desk, and it goes up and down as you want. So if you want to sit, you just bring it down. It's very smooth, very easy, and you want to stand, you just bring it up. And it's completely changed my life, because I, not that I spend any time doing post-processing, because I really don't spend a lot of time doing that, but, you know, just being on Hangouts, doing the critiques for the Arcanum has been just spent, you know, I've been spending a lot of time doing that. So I just being on a, in front of this the screen and not having to sit anymore, it's just been wonderful. So so, so you were you, so you put this very desk thing on your regular sitting desk. Yep. And it it brought it up to a level where you could now stand at the desk. So that's like four or five feet, right? Um. Yeah. So right now, yeah. Uh, so I'm standing, and I bought the mat that goes with it because that's really important for the shock absorption. Absorption, mm -hmm. um, and then I can bring it down to desk level, where it'll be maybe three inches higher than the desk was. And there is room actually on mine, and it's the pro uh, for my 27-inch monitor and a laptop on it, and right. then my keyboard and everything. And it just seriously, it's so smooth. It's really, really great quality. I think it was about. 400 some dollars for the whole set with the mat and everything. I wish I had known about this years ago. It, it's just amazing. I, I it totally, um, yeah, I sleep better because I'm actually happy to lie down but standing all day. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm just know, sitting I for me. I actually just, just think the, uh, this site, the Veridesk, yeah. uh, we have a lot of people do it themselves from Ikea or whatever. So this seems like yeah. a great solution and really inexpensive compared to the uh, like yeah. proper stand-up desks. The stand-up desks are much more expensive. Yeah. 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 Oh, it is. It's thought, like 400 thought, bucks. Is that what you said? It's about 400 dollars total with shipping and um, and it uh, yeah and it's really I mean it, it weighs like 50 pounds. It's it's not cheap. This is really heavy-duty stuff and it's smooth. It's like hydraulic when you bring it up and down, so you don't even have to strain your back doing that uh, we nice. do purpose but seriously it's uh, it because really you know sitting for a long periods of time is not healthy so yeah. um, this is just awesome so I, I know a lot of our listeners spend a lot of time in front of a computer so uh, there is uh, there is help out there not so expensive <laughs> either. <laughs> awesome so extraordinary vision which is a free photography magazine that's available on Google Play and iTunes right now and the very desk so that you can Avoid your lower back spinal injury and stand or up while neck. you, yeah. yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, cool, awesome picks. Thanks, Valerie. All right, Evgeny, what's your pick of the week? Uh, mine is the Quora uh, topic. So the URL is pretty long. So I think uh, listeners should just Google on Quora or search on Quora for what are the most, what are the some of the most epic photos ever taken. And this is a great topic where there's discussion about and lots of links and lots of photos on what are the most epic photos. Uh, great collection of photos. And what surprises me is kind of like the greatest moments in humanity and probably the worst or the most disgusting uh, moments in humanity history documented uh, in photos uh, all combined together. And you see different people thinking... Uh, Different, having different visions when it comes to mind what is the epic photography looks like. Um, so pretty great list. Very cool. Very cool. Quora. I haven't spent much time on Quora. I have to, you have to dive in there tonight and take you a know, look around. Their emails are really engaging. Like when I get an email, I would just 
spend maybe 10, 15 minutes on the side right away, like, you know, clicking all that. What, wow. Yeah, it just, uh, it's, they seem to know the, the subject lines and what to put in the email just, like, perfectly. Especially on the photography. There's a lot of uh, topics on photography, so I started to spend more and more time there. Very cool. Awesome. All right, so your Valerie, your pick was one free thing and one four or five hundred dollar thing. Evgeny's was free. Mine is somewhere in between there. So, having done a bunch of traveling this year, I think I looked in TripIt, and I think I've been on like sixteen planes. I think this year. <laughs> so, so uh, one thing that I I've learned, and a lot of people may know this already, is you know those little those little zip ties that you get to like fasten wires together and you, you know you put it in there you pull them so a pack of like 50 of those things costs two bucks or something from Home Depot or Lowe's or something but apparently they're TSI, TSA approved so you can use them to lo essentially lock your luggage with these now TSA if they feel like they need to get into your luggage they can of course cut it off really quickly and go in there but if you're lucky enough like I have been over the last several trips my luggage makes it through and I can tell that nobody has been in my case, you know, and it's everything's perfect. And there's that little peace of mind for just like a couple of bucks. And, you know, you finish packing, everything's done. You don't need to go in there. You just zip it on there and you're done. You know? I got a question. How do you get the scissors or a knife on the plane to open it after you landed? You don't. <laughs> you don't. So, you know, when you after you land, you know, in well, depending on how your bag is configured, well, my bag has multiple pockets on it. So the main compartment is the only one that I seal. The other compartments on there is where I put things like my little scissors so that I can take them out and cut it. Someone steals my scissors, then I'm making a call to room service or something. <laughs> but it's just plastic. I can get it off. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's a, it's a small price to pay for a little bit of peace of mind as your luggage gets... Yeah, don't you just love it when uh, you get to destination, there is a, a note in your among your clothes, like at the bottom sometime. We went through your luggage. I'm like, yeah, well, thank yeah. you for leaving nice a note. underwear, Mr. Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, I'm looking for... Uh, doing all this traveling, I'm just looking for little tips and tricks of how to travel more efficiently. You learn something yeah. new on each and every trip. Like Valerie, this last trip to France, I learned that, uh, you know, I, I think I stayed in like three or four different hotels, and I've learned that it is not really customary to have an iron and an ironing board in your hotel room. You have to call. So I had to learn the word. What's, what's the word for iron? Uh, Faire uh, yeah, repasser. Yeah, so I had the app. I have an app that allows me to speak French. So, <laughs> so I had to call down and ask for an iron. Yeah, so little tips like that. But my yeah, my pick of the week will be the little zip ties to put on your luggage so that you can have just a little bit more peace of mind. All right, guys, we're at the end of another fantastic episode of This Week in Photo. Thanks to our friends over at FreshBooks.com and lynda.com and also be sure to stay tuned at the end of the show after we finish talking for an interview with Google's Brian Matias. We talked about Google Plus Photos, the future of that service, as well as the newly released Nick Analog Effects Pro, which they just released as well. I've been using the heck out of that software. It's amazing. So Evgeny Chabotarov, where can people go to keep up with you? As usual, finaleffects.com slash my last name. Yeah, slash your last name, yeah. <laughs> so, 
you're, you're being funny now, aren't you? <laughs> Somebody will make this URL. <laughs> yeah, you should just get like TCH or something. Yeah, you're getting TCH. Cool. All right. Yeah, we'll link to it in the show notes as well. Valdi Jardin, what about you? Where can people go find you online? Uh, my website will uh, give links to everything, and that's valeriejardinphotography.com, V-A-L-E-R-I-E-J-A-R-D-I-N, photography.com. And I have just a handful of spots left for the fall workshops oh. uh, in France, as well as uh, we have a new New York workshop and then Minneapolis, and I'm launching the 2015 workshops um, now, so um, one by one, they're starting L.A. and then Rome and then Paris again. So, uh, but there are a handful of spots left for the fall. So, and where where are these? Where people? Where can they go uh, sign up? Uh, this website? is my website. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I normally I just Google your name and you're you pop right up at the top of the yeah. search listings. Right. Very cool. All right, and listeners, be sure to check out our website at thisweekinphoto.com, or if you want to touch base with me personally, Frederick Van Johnson, you can find me at Frederick Van. Com. And with that, it's time to take that lens cap off. This Week in Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production. Produced by Suzanne Llewellyn. With technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar. All right, guys, I'm here with my friend Brian Matias. He's the global photos evangelist over at Google. He gets to work on Google Plus Photos. He gets to work on the Nick integration, all that cool stuff, and keep in touch with folks like me, which is what he's doing right now. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, we're, I, I reached out to Brian a couple of weeks ago or a week or so ago after this announcement about the, uh, the new update to the Nick software suite. And I said, Brian, can you please come on? Let me pick your brain about a couple of topics around this thing. And here he is. So, Brian, welcome back to This Week in Photo. Thanks, Frederick. Man, it's a uh... I love just waxing with you about photos. So it's always a pleasure. We could talk for hours. I mean, we were talking for like 30 minutes before we just clicked the record button. It's yep. uh, Yeah. We should have recorded that, by the way. That would be good. Yeah. <laughs> it's always the kind of when you're riffing off together when you don't have that little live button in the corner where the best stuff comes out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, when the live little live bug is up there, I just change. It becomes all formal and all this stuff. <laughs> It's like, okay, time to sanitize. Yes, time not to say anything controversial. <laughs> this, let's just turn this down from R down to PG. Yes, yes. Maybe, maybe PG-13 or 17. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about this a little bit. So uh, first of all, I saw a post earlier today from our mutual friend and now our mutual friend slash co-worker, John Knack, over there who joined the team. And he was talking about some cool new features that have rolled out in the Google Plus Photos and all that. So give yeah. us just a, the quick highlight of what's happening over there. Because a, a couple weeks ago, it was all... The sky is falling on Google+, but you guys keep pushing out cool stuff, so clearly the sky is still there. So what's up there? Yeah, the sky is falling is, is just a, you know, sensationalism, I think, from yeah. uh, from certain tech blogs that need, you know, fodder to write about. Mm -hmm. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I understand. Um, and as if I were not a Googler and I was reading that, I'd also be like, oh, my God, I've, I have to read every word of this. But... Um, being a Googler, you know, 
and seeing things like um, John's post here and then us releasing an update to the Nick collection, it, it, it just is a kind of a warm, feel-good type of thing in my in my tummy tums. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because the team is, is working super hard. And when I say team, I mean, it's a global team. We've got uh, the Nick engineers over in Lübeck, Germany. We've got team uh, engineers and product managers in Mountain View and L.A. and wow. Seattle, or Kirkland, rather. Um, but yeah, anyway, so John did announce um, some new things that we, we kind of built into uh, Google Photos that, uh, you know, what we're doing now is we're trying to, to really um, fine-tune the experience for users who um, have, say, auto backup turned on with their phones or their computers because you can do it from both very, very easily. Um, and, you know, you want to try to uh, find older photos, it was a bit more cumbersome before this update, we made it a little bit easier there. Um, and also what we're trying to do is for the kind of, uh, you know, Frederick, I think you can appreciate this for kind of the, the, the photo gear tech geeks. Um, if you want to like find all photos by a certain camera, you know, we're starting to make it a bit smarter in terms of searching with metadata and that's, you know, that's just, that's going to grow. Um, See that's that's really cool. It's funny you say that because I just had a house full of relatives, and we you know I did the 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 tour around the Bay Area circuit with them over the past week, and um, you know I, I let a couple of them use different cameras that I happen to have laying around so they could take pictures, and then of course I imported everything and put it on G Plus and shared it privately with everyone so they have access to all the photos. And now I can sort by who was shooting what. Yeah. So, yep. <laughs> right? Yep. Because someone was shooting, I was shooting with the Panasonic uh, GH3, someone was shooting with the GM1, and then someone else was shooting with GX7. So I can sort by which was which and know yep. where those photos came from now, right? That's right. Yeah, That's we're, cool. again, these are, and these little changes, you know, it's, it's always nice when the little change has a big uh, impact in a way. Um, and so that's the, these are the things that we're starting to try to identify um, with user experiences. Uh, yeah, we want to build big, cool features, but we also want to make it really polished and really um, intuitive. That's really cool. That's really cool. So, so let's just talk about before we dive into Analog Effects Pro, the architecture that is G Plus Photo. So, and just position it for me a little bit. So, speaking specifically about you know, Lightroom's out there on the pro side, and of course Aperture and Camera Raw, you know, or Bridge, however people choose to process their photos on the pro, the advanced amateur and pro side. I know a lot of the photos that I process, well, all the photos that I process on my phone or tablet, they go through Snapseed, right? Which is awesome, and it also has that control point technology that's present in, in Nick. The question is, on with Nick software on the web, are we getting to a place now where I can do, or I should be doing as an advanced amateur or a professional photographer, my workflow in the cloud? And then the second piece of that is, if the answer is yes, this is a this is a flowchart. If yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, the, if the answer is yeah, a diamond, a it's shot. a decision. Yeah. If the, if the answer is yes, then uh, what about raw? That's the that's the question. So what do you say? Um, it's a it's totally a, a valid question, and it's one of those questions. It, you know, Frederick, you would love it, like just like hanging out at the office with these engineers, because the people like John, Nack, and Aravin, these are just like photo nerds in, in different kind of like circles. 
you know, John is very much, he's a mobile guy. He he is, will be the first to admit, you know, he loves shooting with his iPhone, editing in Snapseed, and posting. That's just what he does. Yeah. You know, Aravind and I are definitely more of the kind of, like, entrenched uh, SLR and mirrorless and, like, you know, higher-end, you know, lenses and stuff like that. Yeah. And so what does that mean? Does that mean that we have to have a workflow for us and a workflow for John's? Like, that that doesn't make sense. We, we can, we have the power. So um, to answer your question, um, what I found is um, I'm, I'm trying to live by example. Mm-hmm. And so I have a Sony uh, a7, and I remember, you know, Frederick, you and I have had extensive, when you went to, what was it, Nashville? In Nashville, yeah, when it first launched. Yeah. Oh, man, and you had first access to that camera, and I was on you. I remember I was in a dog park, and I was talking with you for like an hour about it. Yeah. And um, so I got this camera, and I thought, all right, um, can I, in good conscience, uh, take photos and then, uh, you know, somehow edit them in a way that I can share them as close to real time as possible? Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean like a stream of consciousness of posting a hundred photos. Right. It's like, oh, I took a really cool shot. And the for me, the de facto uh, workflow would be I now have to wait until I, you know, hours or sometimes maybe even a day or two before I can import those photos, review them, find one, edit it, post it. And so with you know the latest crop of of, of mirrorless cameras and A7 included. You know, you have Wi-Fi, so I was like, "All right, I'm going to transfer this full full res JPEG, not even a raw, you know, full res JPEG mm-hmm. over to my Nexus 5 or my iPhone. I have switched between the 5S and the Nexus 5 quite regularly, mm-hmm. and um, uh, edit it. So I get this full res JPEG. It looks great, you know, 6,000 by 4,000 pixels. Jeez. I open it up in Snapseed or I open it up in Visco. I, I edit it uh, on mobile and I post it, and I find that it's like that didn't hurt. You know, <laughs> um, not, yeah. you know it's like, because, yeah, you, you asked about raw. Yep. And look, raw is is totally valid. I'm not even saying don't shoot raw. I shoot raw plus JPEG. Mm-hmm. Um, but most people, I, I, you know, Frederick, this would be a fun survey to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um it would be uh, two questions. The first is a yes/no. Do you shoot raw? And so let's just say majority says yes. Mm-hmm. Then you ask, okay, why? Yeah. And I, I'd be willing to bet, not to be condescending or, or or anything like that, but I'd be willing to bet that most people wouldn't be able to give you a good answer. Yeah. They think that it's higher quality or this. So what the pros shoot. Of course I have to shoot that. It's I was told that's what pros shoot, so therefore I will shoot that. Yeah, yeah I read it in a, in a blog article or, or yeah. I mean when you if you boil it down, dude, every every camera, every camera you buy, every one, default is JPEG. Yeah. So yeah. um I'm not saying that 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 you know shoot start shooting JPEG. What I'm saying is um evolve I evolved into like I can tell. Um, I've been shooting long enough digitally where I can tell, you know what, I need to work on this raw file. It's um, The shadows are, I can't recover the shadows. Right. Um, or, um, you know, the white balance is way off and color is, is important for this photo. So, you know, raw gives me true white balance control. But in terms of, like, having an uncompressed image for, for 
But the, the ironic part is, you know, it's an image that more likely than not, I'm going to blow away any original color, you know, because when I stylize, I stylize like it's freaking paint by numbers. <laughs> Kill um, those pixels. Oh, yeah, bacon and good. <laughs> and, uh, and then I output them at, like, if it's Google+, Plus, I output, I upload a full res. But, if, you know, Facebook or, or, or Instagram or anything, that's like 2,000 pixels only. Mm-hmm. I'll export it. So it's like I'm taking this big, gigundous 24-megapixel image, and I'm... Right, so, right. My point is this. Um, yes, we have raw support with Google. You know, if you upload your raw files, um, say, to Drive, or you're using auto-backup, which will back up your raw files, mm-hmm. um, we have um, Nick actually had developed this really uh, killer uh, raw engine. And um, while we don't currently have, you know, what maybe you would want, like the basic panel in Lightroom, like, you know, BC, yeah. brightness, uh, contrast, saturation stuff, mm-hmm. we do support the raw. And so when you edit, let's say in the web editor, um, the JPEG that's produced, because you're editing the JPEG, um, yeah. is actually, when you do AB tests, I'm not, I mean, I guess I'm biased, but I don't mess around with my images. I'm the first, me and the, the other engineers that we're, when we're looking at A-B tests, we'll be the first to criticize. I mean, like, really criticize and say, this sucks. So, um, it's really good. Yeah. It's really good. So then, so the the takeaway there is, there's some raw processing power in there, Mm -hmm. but you're saying that JPEG is pretty, pretty dang good. Why not at least experiment with JPEG and see if that's going to do the job for you, right? Yeah, well, I mean, what I'm saying is, um, I guess, um, like, a place for everything and everything in its place, like, um, based on intent. So if... I was just going to say that. Yep, exactly. Yeah, so, like, for me, I'm primarily... I primarily just want to share photos digitally. I don't really concern myself with selling prints or stock or anything like that. And if that's you, then, you know, if anyone who's watching, if that's important to you, yeah, then you have to have a workflow that supports you upload to um, Getty or iStock or Stocksy. Um, they're going to go pixel peeping on you, and, you know, a 2,000 pixel JPEG is probably not going to work for them. Right. So you might want to come home and, you know, sanitize it, clean it up. Um, but for me, uh, going from camera straight to phone and using the bevy of apps that are out there that are great. And Snapseed's my number one. I, I also love Visco. I'm not, I, we, we all are, we want to use the best apps out there. Of course, yeah. Um, but we also want to make the best apps out there. So yeah. also, anyway, I, 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 I apologize if I ranted, or not ranted, but rambled on the, uh, on the question. No, 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 no. That's great. I mean, it's it's you know, it's funny. You 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 started that with the shoot with intent, right? Or with the, or what, as I say, and a lot of other people say, just begin with the end in mind. You know, when you're shooting. Oh, I like that. Yeah, and if you're if you're out and about, like here's another case example. You know, family was in town and we're out shooting, and I had my camera set on raw, right? I just because I was in New Zealand, I was shooting raw, right? So, um, and. I'm shooting all these just family shots at wineries and things like that, and then I got to the point where, you know what, I want to send this shot 
to someone, to, you know, someone else. And like, hey, someone said, hey, send me that photo so I can text it out or, or put, it on, put it on social media. So I went into my camera just instinctively, put it in Wi-Fi mode, and was going to send it over to my phone. And can't do it because I was shooting raw, not raw plus JPEG. I was shooting raw only, yeah. right? So I hit that brick wall right there, and I was like, you know, why am I not shooting raw plus JPEG? So, of course, I switched to raw plus JPEG when – and if I layer on top of that what you're talking about, I could have just switched to JPEG for the entire week and had like 20,000 shots of, you know, space sure. on my little SD card. I mean, for me, the reason why I shoot RAW plus JPEG, you kind of touched on it, was um, initially I only shot RAW on my Sony. So, yeah. like, I'm uh, here I am, you know, kind of not being hypocritical, but that's what I was doing. Sure. The reason why I switched to RAW plus JPEG is I would send the JPEGs over to um, my my phone and they were only two megapixels, and this was like the option in the Sony Play Memories app said full. And yeah. I did a quick Google search, and sure enough, if you're only shooting raw, it sends over a converted two meg, uh, two megapixels. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a little thing that I, I think a lot of Sony people should really understand. If you're thinking you're sending over a full-res JPEG to your phone from your Sony A7 or R, you have to shoot raw plus JPEG. Once you do that, Boom, you'll notice the transfer take a, a second or two longer, but then you zoom in, you pinch to zoom, and you get in there. And that's actually a really rewarding and satisfying feeling on a phone. It's like when you zoom in, it's like, whoa, that looks awesome. Yeah, you're like, wow. look, I can see in that pore, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ooh, I, need, I need a healing brush. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, so you know, looking at my notes here, I want to make sure I hit on these things because these are important. Um so Nick Software. So we talked. We touched a little bit about Nick Software. What, what was it about a year plus ago that yeah. Google, Google uh, purchased the company and began to. And it, a lot of people were afraid that Nick was going to go away. A lot of you know it happens, right? Large companies buy these popular small companies and then slowly they dissipate. You know, yeah. like yeah. like food coloring and water, they just go away. You know. Yeah. Um, but that didn't happen with Nick. We've been seeing like hints of Nick and very obvious hints of Nick in the Google Plus Photos experience. And Google is handing out Analog Effects Pro to folks, and it's just, you know, the software has not gone away. So if you could sort of address that, you know, the what's going on with that integration? Are we going to continue to see the level of momentum with Nick being integrated into the Google Photos sort of suite of products or, or otherwise? What's happening there? Yeah, so um, you're, you are right. So when, when Google announced publicly the acquisition of Nick, um, you know, let's, let's kind of take a snapshot back then. And I wasn't at Google at the time, nor was I at Nick. Mm -hmm. um, but here was Nick software. Um, who that was? They made the Nick collection, but they also had um, six individual SKUs. They were selling each product individually, and I think it was around six hundred dollars for the collection. Mm -hmm. And so here comes uh, Google, and they acquire uh, Nick, which also comes with Snapseed, which was you know app of the year in two thousand twelve, and it's just like a tremendously popular mobile editing app. Yeah. Um, and the first thing they do is they cut the price by like seventy percent. Down to 150. Yeah. Boom. And they eliminate, you know, 150. You get all the products. Um, over time, what happened was, um, what I think, why it was easier for people to kind of get jittery and start kind of um, start singing the death cry, was for 
a little while there, there weren't any necessary, there weren't any um, public-facing updates within the Nick collection itself. But rest assured, there was a ton going on with, you know, Nick Technologies uh, on the back end. So we had, the, you know, we were building the raw uh, right. support. The infrastructure. The, yeah. yeah. We built the web editors. I think a lot of people don't really remember that we essentially have right within a Chrome browser, if you open up a photo from within Google Plus and you hit edit, you have a ballsy web editor. I mean, it has control points. It yeah. has the power of auto-enhance, like you can fine-tune auto-enhance. It has uh, all the features that you love about Snapseed right there within the web, right within the web. Right. I mean, that's, right. you think about that, and it's like, you know, a couple years ago, that was inconceivable. You right. were working. So so um, we have all these different things that I think a lot of people don't necessarily associate, you know, they never associated with Nick. However, then we had, um, in like October or November of last year, we had um, Analog Effects Pro announced. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, you know, it was like part of the, we had a, an event, a Mo Photos event in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And the in my opinion, the the only issue with that was it was kind of sandwiched in between a lot of it was we we were announcing a bunch of different things at once um, that day and Analog Effects Pro here it is this brand new seventh module. I mean, if you know if there was ever a, a, like a, a doubt of if whether Google's doing something with Nick or not, it's like here's a brand new module, right. but it didn't admittedly um, get really any press and. Personally, I'm really happy about that because what the Nick team did um, from then until uh, this past Wednesday was build um, Analog Effects Pro 2, which um, I love it because there were I read some comments where it was like, oh yeah, when I first saw Brian announce it, I wasn't sure if it was enough to call the V2, you know, a full version jump, and then I used it and it's like more than a V2. Um, and I have to agree because, you know, working with the engineers and the PMs uh, out in Germany to develop um, this update, it's a fun product. It's a really, really um, great product. We iterated on it from V1 to V2. Speeds are much faster. We added control points, which was like, that's another thing. You know, we get feedback all the time. And even with the um, relatively low um, uh, public uh, res- response for AEP one. Mm-hmm. We still got this feedback, and we built specifically to it. So people are like, "Where are the control points?" Okay, we built control points. We have AEP two. There's feedback that's coming in for it. Guess what? Next week I'll have a meeting, and we'll we'll discuss what those features are. So my point is, um, Nick is still very much there, and. You know, in fact, let me just do a super quick. I just want to give these guys credit. This right here, um, uh, bear with me. Yeah. Oh, wait, do you see the the thing? I see a group shot. Yes. Okay, because I have to. There. All right. So that's yeah. This is the um, the Nick team. Did it go into full screen mode? Uh, nope. It went away. It's back on you now. Oh. Maybe because I went to full screen mode. Yeah. I mean, but I, I just want to super, super quickly, Frederick. Um, no, no, go for it. Cool. Yeah, there we go. 
so this is the team in in uh, in Lubeck. These are the Nick engineers, the ones who built the collection that everyone loves. The ones that, in fact, I'm going to zoom in right here. Uh, bu -bu -bu -bu. Oops. So right here, this guy. Mm -hmm. That's Niels Kokomore. That is the founder of Nick. Wow. Um, you know, so I guess my my point there is uh, the team is like. That's not a huge, dead. That's a huge team. Yeah. Oh, that's and that's not even everyone. Um, so you know. What is uh, it like? Like, how many people are in there? For the folks that are listening to this, what was it like? Twenty, twenty-five oh, people. But that's only just a few. There were like I think sixty, sixty, oh. sixty, eighty. I think. Wow. Um, yeah. No, it it's a big team and uh, filled with really smart people who are trying to do really cool things. And I, I mean, yeah, I don't want to go into too much detail, but there's some really awesome things that those you know, mad scientists are teaming <laughs> up. Well, tell us, tell us about Analog Effects Pro 2. So sure. just like, what is it? You know, from like, the, give us the, the back of the, remember in the days when we used to go buy software, stores like Software, etc., and you'd pull the box down and read the back of the box and then go take it to the counter and buy it? Yep. Those days are gone, pretty much, but... <laughs> exactly. You know, I, I remember going to like, Nobody Beats the Whiz in New York, and like... Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. I, there were all the stuff would be there. You'd have your like, Sierra games and stuff. Yeah, yeah, you get this whole box of air, and you get home and get your disc out of it, you know? <laughs> yes, yes. So, oh, so that said, what's, what would be on the back of the box of a Nick, you know, of a, you know, the Analog Effects Pro 2 piece of software if I was to buy it? What's, what are the control points for it? Actually, so what I'm what I'm doing right now is um, uh, Petapixel did this wonderful. They do it. Where is it called? Ah, here it is. Um, and just to so they have a subtitle in their or their um, coverage of the announcement says, Google unveils new and improved Analog Effects Pro 2, a step forward into the past. And I thought that was like a such a charming. Um, accurate description of what I would call Analog Effects Pro 2, a step forward into the past. Yeah. And um, So the, the primary essence of, of Analog Effects Pro 2, um, and I'll just refer to it as AAP2 because it's mm -hmm. such a mouthful, but um, is kind of a, a paying a tribute to the more classical alternative styles of processing film. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, kind of like wet plate photography, um, and and uh, film photography, where you would have you know almost embracing defects um, about uh, you know film, right? And so, like for instance, um, uh, a good friend and uh, Nick partner, his name is James Brandon. Um, I asked him to record some videos, just kind of like um, to to illustrate the creativity with, that you can achieve with AAP2. And so what he did was, it was just wonderful, and I'm going to start publishing these next week, like one every couple of days. Sweet. He would take a scan of an old, or, or, or a, a scan of an old exposure. Like, there was one of his great-grandfather from World War II, like his old scan, and then he would open up a photo of, say, his son, his baby son or his wife, and he would essentially use Analog Effects Pro 2 to recreate that look, and he was able to faithfully do so, you know, with scratches and leaks and stuff oh, like wow. that. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, and so... And that's, that's one of the cool things I saw in there. I mean, you mentioned that. You touched on that. Scratches, light leaks, those sorts of things to sort to digitally degrade a photo or add that, that vintage personality, which is a step forward into the past, right? So yeah. being able to do that. But then there's also some features in there that I saw the 
you know, the simulated Boca and, you know, Tilt Shift, yeah. all that stuff is in the software now. Yeah. So There's, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the other thing that about it is um, we wanted to uh, give people a way not only to stylize their photos, like, you know, where you can apply a film type, um, you know, and add a, a, tint, a black and white tint to it. Not just that kind of stuff. Not yeah. just uh, scratches and, and, and wet plate uh, overlays. Not even that stuff. But change the way you present your photos. And so the two um, big ones, in my opinion, that we added into version two, one is called double exposure. And mm. double exposure is, you know, something where it was a mistake back in the film days. You didn't yeah. do it on purpose. Oh, I mean, I guess now you do, but like, yeah. you forget to advance, you know, the exposure, you know, and you take a shot and then you take another shot and you, you've got two exposures on one. And that sure. works exceptionally well when you like overlay a, um, one exposure over a silhouette or something like that. Or in any case, you can do that with, with Analog Effects Pro 2. And we've got uh, videos, I've recorded videos and, and, and our uh, awesome support team has recorded videos to illustrate these functions, mm -hmm. but then the other one is called multi-lens, and that's, um, you know, your it's like a, a, a diptych, triptych, or almost like, you know, four-panel, um, but you have control. It'll take the one image, and it'll automatically divvy it up, but you then get unique, explicit control, like discrete control of each panel, so you can um, do a scale factor enhancement, so, like, zoom in on one panel, and you can change... It, 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 it's really cool. Um, I don't want to geek out on it too much, but... Nice. I love it. The point I here is we want people to think about not just how they stylize the image, but how they also want to present the image. That's crazy. Uh, I would. So people are probably thinking right now, okay, I need to go get that. What? Where can they get it, and what's the price point? Sure. So um, if you are an existing Nick uh, customer, so from whenever you had even an individual product mm -hmm. um, to now, it's free to get the full Nick collection. Jeez, okay. So, Can't beat that yeah. price. <laughs> yeah, no, it costs nothing. Um, you just, uh, if you if you don't know how to um, get it, just contact our support team if you're like an existing customer. If you are savvy, or not to say that you're not savvy, but if you've got it installed already, the Nick mm -hmm. collection, yeah. um, all you need to do is go to um, google.com forward slash Nick collection, or just Google Nick collection. Mm -hmm. um, and download, there's a button at the top called Try Now. Yeah. Download the, the trial installer. If you already have it installed, we'll detect it and we'll remove the trial. If you are not a um, current Nick customer, it's just 149 Okay. Um, and you get all that, right? All seven, uh, all seven modules. Um, they work under Lightroom, Photoshop, and Aperture, um, and they're, they're really great. That's really cool. All right, so what's I you know it's it's always tough to ask folks at at large influential tech companies this question, but I always feel like I have to at the end of an interview. What's next? You know, people are always thinking, you know, you know, and I'm sure you're you're sitting there with your finger on the pulse of everything, right? So people know, I mean, internally you, you know, people are asking, you know, 5 million people ask for this feature. So we'll pump, bubble it up to the top of the list. I know you can't go into detail, but give us give us, you know, a crumb a vector about what might be coming next for the folks that are using G Plus Photos or, you know, Nick software. I, I was hoping you would, like, filibuster more and more so I could devise some sort of... <laughs> <laughs> that's what I do, filibuster. Yeah, that's how I got through school. <laughs> it, is, it is a skill. 
and one that's <laughs> a, a guest when they need the time appreciates very much. Yes. Um, yes. So obviously, um, the the whole not being able to really discuss any sure. unreleased goes without saying. Um, but notwithstanding, um, I guess we're you know we're, we're always looking to. Um, Make the 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 photos experience, um, I guess, enjoyable and, yeah. and, and easy um, and scalable to, so that everyone can use it. You know, from just the you know the very very kind of basic uh, photographer who just you know the, the the parent or the student or the just person with their phone. You know, so they get they have cool things that they can do, and you, you know you can see that with like auto awesome and auto enhance, like mm-hmm. things that we are auto enhances for the people who don't really, um, they either don't have the the time, the inclination, the computer, the software to, mm-hmm. to edit, and so you know what we do is we we just kind of we apply a little bit of love to the photos. You know, that's not to say I think a lot of people kind of get hung up that like Google's changing my photos. It's like, okay, yes, but if you don't want it, that's totally cool. We have an on off switch. But there are so many, so many people who stand to benefit from it. Um, yeah. so we've got that. But then also to build stuff like all the way to the advance. And that includes the Nick collection, like very much so. So we're always thinking of ways to make workflow easier, um, make it so that you can get um, the same power. We really want to break the the model of power only lies on the desktop, but actually that you can get some really cool things. Um, like even right now on on Android, if you open up a photo, if you edit a photo within the Photos app, you get this awesome Snapseed inspired editor. I mean, it is yeah, it is powerful. You open up a full res JPEG in there. Guess what? It's a powerful editor. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's right kind of palm of your hand. Yeah, I was playing with that. I was playing with that earlier on this Moto X. It's uh, yeah, it's yeah. insane. It's insane. Wow. So lots of stuff coming. Uh, what about you? What's next for you personally? Uh, Europe, Europe, in the in Northern California, yeah. United States coast. You're not in California. You're in. I was in California two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, you were. <laughs> we moved up uh, from California uh, back to Portland, and thankfully, nice. you know. Google was totally cool and, and let me uh, relocate. And we have a, there's a Portland office here. It's a smaller one, but um, it's an office. I'm working from home today. But um, uh, next up, I'm going to back to Australia in like two weeks to sh- photograph the uh, Ironman competition in Cairns. Nice, nice. That's nice. But I got to tell you, having just returned from New Zealand, not a fan of that flight, man. I'm <laughs> So, yeah, what was it, four, four, 14 or 15 hours for you? So Yeah, it was like a little more like 17 because I had to jump through Auckland. Auckland. Yeah, and connect down to Queensland, but it was... Uh, Not a fan. Yeah, and no. yeah, that's a flight. That's a flight and that's a half. A, yeah, you know, it's funny because I just flew back from Tampa yesterday, which is like five hours. I did that on my head. Oh, yeah. Oh, Nothing. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, oh, that's all good. Everything is thankfully great, um, and... Uh, and yeah, so all is good. 
That's cool, man. Well, congratulations on the success of this stuff. It's, I love seeing, you know, you and I have been friends for a while now, and I, I love seeing the progress of this. Whenever, one, whenever a new release comes through or, like, John or somebody posts a, a, a post about this new lever or dial that's been added, I get excited because it's just, like, cool stuff that's happening in the cloud and giving us or we as photographers more and more power to do stuff with less and less hardware on our side. So. Uh, let, let me also just personally, you know, as a kind of representative of Google Plus, you know, I also want to thank you because, you know, you've embraced our platform. You use it um, for your show um, and you're active on the platform. And, and you know, that's that's awesome. You know, we build it so you guys can use it. Yeah. Um, so thank you. No, no. The Mutual Admiration Society. This is all. <laughs> You can cut it, cut it with a knife. Cut it with a... <laughs> All right, man. It's Friday night. I know you probably have cool things to do up there in Portland with, uh, with your wife and and the dog Kodak, right? How's Kodak doing, by the way? Oh, Kodak is a bad boy. <laughs> Kodak. Is Kodak christening the house? <laughs> oh, I, I, you know, I'm. I wonder if that christening would be more favorable. He dug two of the. They're essentially wells. You're right. halfway to China at this point <laughs> in the backyard. And I mean, I don't know if he's going to, he has to bury a body. Yeah. Yeah. But, or maybe there's one in there. He's trying to get it out. You never know. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like he keeps digging in the same spot. Uh oh. We might want to go check that out. <laughs> and a half feet down. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So, but otherwise, Kodak is—he's a—he's you know a wonder dog. So. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Love following you guys. Cool, man. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Brian. I appreciate it. Anytime, man. Thank you. And anytime I can help, I'm there. All right. Cool. Take care. Talk to you soon. Later, Frederick. <laughs>